Hello, welcome to the Capital Employed Podcast. Before we jump into this episode, please make sure to add your email to the Capital Employed email list. We will be publishing some exclusive interviews that will be only available to those on the list. To receive these bonus episodes, please visit capitalemployed.fm forward slash exclusive and add your email to the list. In this episode, I was pleased to have on as a guest, Keld van Screven, who is the co-founder and managing director of KR1 PLC. If you are an investor in blockchain and decentralized finance, or are completely new to this space, I think you'll really enjoy this episode. While Bitcoin and the price of Bitcoin steals all the headlines, there is actually something far bigger happening in the undergrowth. A whole new financial system is being built. There is a huge wave of disruption on its way, from how shares and companies are issued and traded, to decentralized insurance and so much more. If you're new to this space, there can be a lot of jargon and terminology, but please don't let that put you off. I really enjoyed this conversation and I'm sure you will too. Please enjoy my conversation with Keld. Hi Keld, thanks for coming on to the show. We did do this recording last week, but for for technical reasons it couldn't upload, so I do appreciate you uh, coming back onto the podcast. That's all right. Good to be on. For listeners who may not be familiar, can you add some colour to KR1? Who and what is KR1? KR1, we like to think ourselves as Europe's leading digital asset investment company sporting early stage blockchain projects. We were one of the first institutional investors in the space, founded in 2016. And we've really um, been kind of like a first mover investing in key projects in this whole area of decentralization blockchain uh, which enables uh, really innovative new types of economic activity that's getting uh, a lot of interest at the moment yeah so we've probably invested up to 55 maybe more that seed investments in in four years which is a hell of a clip so yeah we're, we're a capital allocator we're a permanent capital we're not like other private crypto funds so we don't have to we don't have redemptions so we are a public company uh, so anyone can own a share which is really nice and inclusive for everyone and also you can put it into your ISA up to 20k so some some uh, um, additional interest there for the armchair investor so what you know we we really are there for any anyone who's interested in investing in this space to get access to a very unique portfolio of lots of amazing digital assets that is kind of unrivaled i'd say in the space i mean there's probably a couple other funds that have it but um we're certainly one uh one, one of the few ones to have such unique assets we also have um significant staking revenue uh which is really exciting to the business so i, I get overall our thesis is that blockchains will create an unparalleled wealth opportunity over the next 10 15 years decentralized networks will create new types of economic innovation that will really create trillions in value and uh, that that's kind of what we're investing in kudos for you to being a listed company as well because i, I don't think it's easy for a lot of people to get access to a lot of the early stage uh, projects that, that you have exactly, access yeah. to yeah i was going to ask it was it quite straightforward to list on that quiz <laughs> exchange just out of interest um no yes and no (laughs) 
it, it's a whole different type of activity you have to go through and it's it's not for the faint-hearted there you like anything there are positives and minuses about it but we do like love the fact that anyone can invest in us i mean that makes us very different from any other type of crypto fund and also you know, what we've seen recently is a lot of our investors have been getting very active in the projects that we invest in. So that's really kind of even more inclusive. So so once you become a K1 shareholder, you can almost join the, the journey because you kind of own a small proportion of the project that we invest in, obviously, and that gets them, gets them more interested. So we've, we've seen a lot of that happening. So we probably have a few hundred investors um, that are actually getting involved in the projects that we actually invest in. So that's really nice to see. And when you invest in these projects, when you get invited to take part, how long do you aim to hold on for? Does it until it reaches a certain market cap and then you would take some money out or do you just hold for the long term? Yeah, that's a good question. Again, because we don't have to, we don't have redemption, so we don't have to sell down assets. So there's no, there's none of our investors saying, hey, I need to sell my share of care one. So we have to then sell down assets. So really, we're in a unique position where we're like a pure long investor kind of mentality so we allocate the capital at some point we pick out a exit for the stake initial stake that we have in and that can be years initially when we started it was months because we were in a sort of crazy very quick cycle of recycling the profits i mean that was kind of that's kind of got where we got our name and success from early on but yeah we will wait for a, a moment the, the kind of multiple is not set but it's when the project is slightly mature and um, we were comfortable with taking a small slice out. On something like a proof of stake network, this kind of differs in a way because we're actually generating um, a yield in the native token itself. And we, 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 we do sell that down. So that's kind of like a, um, a different form of sell down that we are doing. But yeah, I mean, sort of that's a long winded way of saying we really pick the moment, but we're very long on it. Uh, we were in that position because we don't have any sell pressure internally on the on the portfolio from our investors and you were early investors in ethereum and Polkadot. Uh, ethereum is obviously the, the bit the big name do you kind of i kind of see more and more projects kind of being built on other blockchains like um Polkadot. one of the the projects i keep an eye on is um polymath and they used to i think they originally started building their project on ethereum but they needed something a, a bit more bespoke instead of the ethereum kind of one size fits all yeah. Now they're sort of building their own thing. I think using substrate. I was I was just going to ask. Do you think Ethereum's of that size? It's got so many developers that it's kind of built itself a bit of a moat. Or could you see Ethereum kind of slipping back a bit and th- something like Polkadot kind of catching up? Is, is the technology yeah. of Polkadot a bit better? Yeah, I think when Polkadot started, it was genuinely genuinely a competitor to ETH. That's because the founder Gav Wood was co-founder of Ethereum, coded the first version got very frustrated with what he saw and said, right, I can improve on this. But I think, you know, the Polkadot ecosystem is about is about interoperating with other blockchains. It's like Ethereum's like America. And the Polkadot protocol is is a, a kind of a way of connecting the countries together. So nation states will start trading amongst each other rather than just themselves. And as we saw in our own history, that once countries started trading because of shipping, amongst each other that economic activity exploded and we'll see that with the polka dots the cosmoses of this world who are about this interoperation between these big nation states as it were but ethereum is sort of the america of the the blockchain space it's got thousands of projects on it with polka dot they've got hundreds but we are seeing some sort of migration onto it 
because imagine you know analogies Ethereum's like a one radio station type of operation with Polkadot. Everyone can have their own radio station. They can have their own chain running on it, doing their own things. It's just more flexible. You've got kind of less issues about cost of transactions, speed of transactions. Um, you've got flexibility of changing things on chain as you go with, with Ethereum. You have to f- fork the, the actual chain itself. So it's just like when we use Polkadot, you know, we, we, it's like getting into uh, an electric car versus going into a petrol car. It's got that feeling of the future about it. You know, it just it, it does feel like that. But you know, they will operate, operate, inter, interoperate between themselves. And you know, we had this big debate before. You know, who's going to be the winner? You know, is it Ethereum? Is it Polkadot? Is it Cosmos? Is it Definity? That's coming. And you know, the reality is there's space for all of them. And I think well, that's what we'll see in the future. There'll be chains that are much more suited to things like supply chain management, DeFi, gambling, content deployment, distribution, uh, with things like Kasama, things that just need less security on them. So I think we'll find chains that actually fit, find their niche and find their customer, which, which is the developer who needs to build the applications, which will ultimately drive the users onto it. So we've got expanding universes of Ethereum, Cosmos, Polkadot, Definity. These are just growing out. Some will, will, inter, will some will suck out the sort of oxygen of the of the other sort of slowly. How how that plays out over time, that's to be determined. I, li- I like the analogy of the trading nations as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you, get, you know, historical analogies are, are very useful for these things because. You know, history rhymes; it doesn't repeat. But uh, and and absolutely, we're going to see this type of thing happening. It's an amazing space. I I read a lot of um like financial history books, and the Soviet Union, the kind of the fall of the Soviet Union, is, is um a part of history that really interests me. And you, right. even though the Berlin Wall fell down in 1989, yeah. If you, if you speak to people that lived in the Soviet Union, they will tell you it was it was cracking in the early 80s, even before right, then. Right. Yeah. I I kind of feel it. It's the same with current kind of financial system it's a system that yes. was built in the 20th century by central bankers commercial bankers and governments and it's just not really it's sort of cracking at the seams a bit now it, it you know the infrastructure that's happening in the DeFi space is better how big yeah. could you or how fast even could you see this kind of DeFi space developing it could it get to the point where instead of logging on to like hargreaves lansdown and buying shares we could just do peer-to-peer trading on some exchange yeah i think uh, the answer is yes i mean we're going to see the collapse of certain financial industries you know being sucked into this technology that is going to happen basically any sort of financial intermediation banking uh, all these things will just are going to be vaporized by DeFi, bitcoin and new trustless decentralized services now the interesting thing alongside this is that nation states um, and sort of legacy finance institutions are not going to allow that to happen to a to a certain degree, you know. And we're going to see, um, you know, nation states basically taking the technology and redeploying it for their own use. So actually stripping out the censorship resistance of the decentralization part of it, but actually using the blockchain part of it to create national stable coins, regulated stable coins. And sort of see centralized financial products that ate DeFi uh, that are regulated. And I think, you know, one of the big drivers for this is, you know, the sort of 
fear of the money supply. You know, there's this meme going around that 35% of all US money has been printed in the last year. <laughs> you know, that, you know, what, 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 what this migration to this technology enables, uh, enables a nation is to add a couple of percent on the GDP. And I think in the UK, there was a study done by, um, by a financial institution about that. So it can, it can bring really good, uh, it, it kind of, instant economic uh, upside to the nation tax collection redeployment of, of funds to people very quickly and easily so you know there's lots of compelling reasons for a government to use this technology how that rubs up against the defi degens is going to be an interesting one to watch our guess is that um, the two will play out over time and the degens will be find a very happy home in the jurisdictions that are welcoming to them and in the, in so sort of like the in the the G7 the G20s they will be sort of slightly heavier regulation i mean you'll still be able to hold and trade and invest in crypto obviously but you know from a national point of view they'll be that they'll have their own products and services that will be uh, allowed to develop and, and that that'll be another parallel innovation curve that we'll see probably be interesting to see the the role london kind of chooses to play in all this you know post brexit looking for like a new role in in fintech and the blockchain absolutely, technologies absolutely. well we've always been you know secretly very very uh receptive to these waves you know i think london is a very very welcoming place to entrepreneurs to use this type of technology or you know if you look at the last web 2 movement that was that that got good traction in in london fintech became a is a kind of an, an industry now there um so you know i think certainly you know rishi sunak is pro technology pro innovation pro entrepreneurship we saw that with you know what what the kind of they're thinking about in the the researching for the uh, national stable coins the FCA have been very light on crypto assets. They outlawed uh, leverage, leverage trading, which is a good thing. They're, so they're basically slowly cleaning up the space to fold fold themselves in somehow into it. Yeah, that's good to hear. So can you talk us through one or two projects that you've recently uh, invested in that you're really optimistic about for the future? What, what problems are they solving? Yeah, um, that's a good question. So, out of the fifty-five projects, um, <laughs> I'd say you know the the interesting ones are Nexus Mutual, the decentralized mutual, which is like a reboot of the old mutual. Which what we love about this is that the mutual used to be um, a collection of uh, individuals in a locality who would club together in a community to create an insurance pool. Could be a village in in the old days in the medieval times. Um, and they would, if anyone had an issue and a claim, the, there would be a committee and they would decide if it was a valid claim or not. That actually worked really well. And you've still got mutuals around today in the UK. What uh, Hugh Carp, the founder, did very cleverly was kind of use that approach and put it on chain where it could actually scale it out. So the committee would be people uh, who had voting rights, who had the tokens, and people could put money into the pool and then they, they could work out where they could deploy the the pool and, and people would put proposals in for projects to um to have a kind of um a premium on 
And so that that's kind of like a very neat application of old world scaling issue on chain. And um, we we really like that, and we really like Hugh. If we like the founder, then we we'll get and excited about their vision of this trustless innovation they're trying to do. Then we'll we'll kind of support them on it. And he was very unique because he was um, ex financial director of Munich RE, which is quite a big reinsurer. And they had their own labs operation, and that he was, you know, he he got this. He was one of the early thinkers in sort of applying the technology to an industry, and that just got us really excited. We seed funded that. We kind of led the round on that. We, you know, we got some investors together. We actually put the first capital into the pool to kickstart it. There was a very tricky period where it was touch and go about the project, but he, you know, we all came through it, and then it just suddenly sparked off, and bang, you know, it became a bit of a a poster child success for Ethereum. So we're very excited about what Hughes achieved there. Another project probably have to go to Polkadot just because it's such a groundbreaking project. It's not like Ethereum because it doesn't have the smart contract capability on it. it it's, it's more like an operating system and the smart contract part of it is like a, a software application on top of it. So you, you might get your, it's like Polkadot's like the Mac and the, and the smart contract is kind of like a um, quasi operating system on the Mac. Um, so it's it's a logic that can you can run all these types of environments. So it's like a bit of a low level environment, which is kind of you have to get your head around around that. But what it does, it gives you flexibility to put your own chains in that environment. So the power chains that they're called, are, there's going to be lots launching soon. We just love the that pre cambian explosion as it were of life that's going to happen in this polkadot ecosystem it's going to be absolutely fascinating to watch i think there's going to be lots of really interesting new types of services and applications that we haven't even seen of as yet and they will interoperate with ethereum you know there's there's going to be lots of interesting international cooperation as it were in in that chain and i think we're seeing the genesis of a truly compelling sort of economic system uh, that could potentially rival ethereum as, as it moves forward yeah there's uh, some absolutely fascinating projects in a lot of smart people in this space as well yeah we just announced actually lazy ledger that's a a stripped down blockchain type foundational layer again for making the data kind of more available and sort of being able to Always make sure it's there and you can actually verify it. And, you know, so we're seeing we're still we're still in this kind of infrastructure kind of phase. We're just coming out of that in a way, but we're seeing more tooling and sort of innovation around that. So, yeah, there's plenty to come down the pipe for sure. I don't know if you ever go on that DeFiPulse.com website. I, I love to look on there. And at the moment, it sort of says the total value in the DeFi space is just over 37 billion. When you think of the the size of the markets that these projects are f- trying to disrupt, it's it's only in the foothills, really. Oh, We're talking about yeah, trillion um, trillion yeah. dollar in, you know industries and markets. Absolutely, you know. yeah. We're still early. I mean, we're not. If anyone's listening to this and they're sort of like, "Oh, I haven't, you know, got any skin in the game," or I "Haven't got sort of," I'm just starting to learn about it. I mean, that you're not early, but you're not late either. So you're kind of it's it's okay. You've still got time to. To, to read to read and get involved in all of this so yeah it's it's start of the the kind of the shaking up of these industries is starts is going to start happening it's a good time to get involved i, I 
I've got my own sort of little um, blockchain and DeFi application kind of portfolio I've built. And so far this year, it's up 60%. Right. Yet my my stock portfolio is up about 2%. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, yeah, so. that just shows you what, um, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's more, you've got gen, genuine fluidity of, there's no economic friction in these kind of investments, as it were. You know, there was a big criticism in the last sort of um, hype and crash about it's almost like projects are IPOing before they're ready. Well, now, you know, they're, they're sort of they're IPOing over time, as it were. There's, you know, we have vesting schedules and we have projects have to release actual main nets. Otherwise, there's regulatory issues. So, you know, you've got real opportunities for investors to take risk and get reward we're seeing that in this sort of experimental slightly experimental uh, aspect of, of this so you know when you're up 60% in in this sort of asset class and only up 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 a couple of percent in the other it's because of this fluidity experimentation and genuinely if you if you look at equities they're quite locked you know equity investors are very very hand tied you know on their activities so it's just a very, it's a freer arena. It doesn't mean it's sort of, you know, there's anything um, untoward going on. It's just the internet is a fluid network. These are fluid assets and fluid services. You know, old legacy systems are not fluid on this network. And therefore, you know, they, they will not fit into this new world we're in. You know, we're all walking around on our phones and at home and on our laptops. You know, we're, we're in this new society that's online. We're not in this kind of, we're kind of slightly leaving the old world behind. The friction we're seeing is the old world trying to join this network, as it were. And these new crypto networks are just extensions of the old of the current network, which is the internet, which is creaking under pressure, insecure, you know, unable to provide the sort of in innovation on top of it anymore. And these crypto networks have got the new innovation on it. They've got the new They've got the fluidity. They've got everything about them, and they are the. They're going to replace the current creaking internet. So we're going to see that more and more over the next few years. It's a fascinating space. Um, yeah, thanks so much, Kel, for for coming on uh, to the podcast. We're kind of coming up to time now. So if people want to find out more about KL One, where can they go to? KL One IO is our website. Um, they can follow us on Twitter, which is KL One PLC. That's at uh, K1PLC, and they can uh, message us on the on the via the website or on the Twitter feed. And yeah, I mean, just um, they can follow us there. Okay, brilliant. Thanks for your time, Kel. Okay, thanks, John.